Hi, baby family and friends. Welcome back to Weekend Wednesdays, the podcast that brings the weekend worship into your midweek. My name is Minsu Kang, and I'm your host for this week's episode. Just like that, we are at our final episode in our Esther sermon series. How was this book of the Bible for you? What did God reveal about himself through it? I don't know about you, but I received so much from the book of Esther. Through the sermons and in preparing these podcast episodes, I was able to connect with the truth that God is for me, that he's working all things for my good, and that even if I don't see it or feel it, he is working behind the scenes. And the fun isn't going to stop with this sermon series. Many of you have asked, and I'm excited to announce that Weekend Wednesdays will be continuing into the next sermon series. I'm excited to dive into the book of Ephesians with you all as we tackle the topic of the armor of God. Stay tuned, it's going to be a great series. But before we get there, let's finish strong with the last two chapters of Esther. Chapter 9 begins with a flash forward to the 13th day of the 12th month in the Jewish calendar, the day originally appointed for the annihilation of the Jews. But the tables have turned. With Mordecai and Esther's counter-law in place, the Jews had the upper hand over their enemies. They were granted permission to defend themselves against anyone who chose to rise up against them, rather than simply accepting their destruction. Quick flashback. Remember at the end of chapter 8 when we read about the many people of other nationalities wanting to become Jewish because fear of the Jews had seized them? Well, this fear continues in our reading today. We read that no one could stand against the Jews because the people of all the other nationalities were afraid of them. And that all the nobles of the provinces, the satraps, the governors, and the king's administrators helped the Jews because fear of Mordecai had seized them. Clearly, the hand of God was behind his people. And so, on the 13th day of the 12th month, the Jewish people defended themselves against anyone who chose to rise up against them. It was recorded that in Susa alone, where the king and queen resided, 500 men were destroyed. In addition, the 10 sons of Haman were put to the sword. When these numbers were reported back to Xerxes, the king responded in an interesting way. He asked Esther if she had any other requests or petitions that he could enact. Insane. Esther didn't have to go through any golden scepter steps. The king's favor was there for the taking. Again, clearly, the hand of God was behind his people. Esther takes Xerxes up on his offer by requesting that the Jews in Susa be given permission to carry out her counter-edict for another day, in addition to impaling all of Haman's ten sons on poles. Without hesitation, the king approves of Esther's request, the ten sons of Haman are impaled on poles, and 300 additional men are destroyed in Susa on the 14th day of the 12th month. There must have been a lot of people who despised the Jews in Susa for there to be a need for an additional day of defense. Zooming out of Susa, we also read that the Jews throughout the Persian Empire destroyed 75,000 of those who sought their destruction. For whatever reason, outside of Susa, there wasn't an additional day of defense needed. And so, 
the Jews in Susa fought on the 13th and 14th day of the 12th month, whereas those outside of Susa only defended themselves on the 13th day of the 12th month. What a reversal. What a change of destiny. The Jewish people were set to be completely eliminated, and this act of genocide seemed like a sure thing. But through the intervention of God, an entire people group was saved. God saved his children. What boggles my mind is that God exists outside of time. He sees everything from beginning to end. God was aware of Haman's plans even before Haman was born. God knew of Haman's evil intents even before he crafted it into his mind. Because of this, God was placing all the right people in the right spaces for the fulfillment of his will, probably earlier than we think. He had a plan all along, and we've seen this plan unfold through the book of Esther. God is the true hero of our story. Who else can we point to as the source of Israel's salvation? Sure, Mordecai and Esther exhibited courage and faith in the face of setbacks, but who was the one that moved them into their strategic positions? Who was the one that caused hearts to move in their favor? Who was the one that cleared their path of enemies and evil intentions? No one but the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the true hero of the story. And what better way than to respond to the favor and intervention of God than to celebrate? After their deliverance, Mordecai sent letters to all the Jewish people throughout the Persian Empire with instructions on how to throw a party. He instructed his people to celebrate annually the 14th and 15th day of the 12th month since this was the time when the Jews got relief from their enemies and the month when their sorrow was turned into joy and their mourning into a day of celebration. This celebration was to be days of feasting, joy, giving presents of food to one another and gifts to the poor. In essence, they were instructed to intensely celebrate all that the hand of God had done for them, to be joyful in his love, care, and salvation. Mordecai also instructed his people to never fail to celebrate this festival. By celebrating it annually, it acted as a memory, an altar, if you will, of God's faithfulness. In case there was any doubt of God's faithfulness or forgetting of his ability to intervene, there was always a two-day party in the calendar to remind a Jewish person of this powerful moment in history. After reading chapters 9 and 10 of Esther, I saw God's fingerprints in the ways that he continually granted Esther and Mordecai favor up until the very end of their story. God caused fear to grow in the hearts of those of other nationalities, which moved some to unharm the Jews, some to work alongside them, and some to become a Jew themselves. This fear, this deep understanding that there was something divine about this people group, could not have been created by human hands. It smelled of God. God also caused the heart of Xerxes to bend in favor of Esther to a point that laws could be passed at her request. This is obviously a lot of power to wield, allowing her to gain the upper hand over any of her enemies. God's hand moved in favor, allowing the Jewish people to defend themselves not just on one day, but two. 
I also found it interesting that God established a yearly event in the Jewish calendar to remind his people of his faithfulness and power. This is very similar to the reasons behind the Passover. This yearly festival was established to remind the Jewish people of how God passed his judgment over them, how he delivered them from Egypt, and how he is greater than any other God. Do you have an event like this on your calendar? Do you have a yearly reminder of God's faithfulness and intervention in your life? After coming back from Vancouver, I definitely jotted one down on my calendar. After unpacking my belongings in Vancouver on September 13th, 2016, I had an urge to grab a coffee and journal. I took a stroll on the campus of UBC and landed at a local cafe. And as I opened my journal, I remember writing about all the things that I was excited about, all the things that I was fearful about, and all the questions that I had about this upcoming season. Truly, I had no idea what I was in store for. After coming back to Toronto and reflecting, I realized how important the Vancouver season of my life was. I jotted down September 13th on my calendar as a day of remembrance. It was the day that God began a deep, sanctifying work in my life. I know I poop on Vancouver sometimes, but deep down, it was a very pivotal moment in my faith journey. That season, though difficult, really was the refining fire that I needed. I would often tell friends that it felt like I was being saved all over again. I don't know who or where I would be if Vancouver didn't happen. What I've done to celebrate on September 13th so far is mimicking what I did on that day in 2016. I take a slow day, head to a cafe, journal, and thank God for all his faithfulness. The heart behind this day is to remember annually what God has done in my life and to remind myself that he will still stay faithful in the years to come. Do you have an event like this on your calendar? If so, I would love to hear about the ways you celebrate and remember God's faithfulness in your life. Send your party details to info at bayviewglen.org. I'm open to changing the ways I celebrate on September 13th through your ideas and tips. If you don't have an annual party with Jesus on the calendar, I would strongly recommend you create one. Maybe through this sermon series, you are able to see the fingerprints of God in your story. Maybe like Mordecai, you stepped out in obedience in a cultural surrounding where it was difficult to do so. Maybe like Esther, you were filled with a greater purpose in your sphere of influence for such a time as this. Maybe like those in the Persian Empire, you encountered the gospel through God's chosen people, moving you to follow Jesus yourself. These are all amazing reasons to celebrate. God has moved and intervened in your life. Whatever day it may be, put a block on your calendar. Slow down on this day and allow your mind to go back to the day where God moved powerfully for you, for the life of another, or both. These events, like altars, can not only cause you to remember, but it also has the power to reignite your trust in the Lord. If he has moved before, he will move again. Let's celebrate. The Lord is worthy of our celebration. All right, Bayview community, that's it for me. Thank you for taking the time in your week to tune in. I hope that this sermon series and these podcast episodes on the book of Esther have allowed you to see that God is for you and that even if you don't see him, he's working for your good. 
I look forward to diving deeper into God's word together with the book of Ephesians. See you next week on Weekend Wednesday.